This is Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a long-term care podcast from Horn Healthcare. Long-term care facilities, like every healthcare service, are adjusting daily to their new normal. Social distancing has demanded that many of our activities in long-term care facilities be suspended or totally restructured. One of these activities is traditional physical therapy. COVID has increased the need for these residents to be mobile and active, not only for their therapeutic benefit, for their physical well-being, but for their emotional health as well. I'm Barry Plunkett, a healthcare consultant with Horn, who is presenting a series of long-term care broadcasts, and this one is called Decision Point. In this episode, We've asked Chris Hannibal with Progressive Health to join us. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Barry. You're welcome. Chris holds a doctorate degree in physical therapy from the University of Mississippi and has over 25 years of clinical and rehab management experience across Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. Some of that experience has been in the long-term care environment. Chris is the Regional Director of Therapy Operations in Mississippi for Progressive Health. Chris, tell us who or what Progressive Health is. Sure. Progressive Health was founded in 1995 and has corporate offices in Evansville, Indiana and Atlanta, Georgia. We partner with hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, and health systems nationwide to provide clinical solutions and rehab management. Currently, we are located in Mississippi. Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Texas, Florida, Indiana, Illinois, and Kentucky. Wow, that's a big footprint. You and Progressive Health have worked to develop a post-COVID recovery program for residents of skilled nursing facilities. Can you tell us a little bit about why you felt a program such as that was necessary? Sure. So, you know, Early last year, late spring, early summer, we all began seeing the massive toll COVID was having. And you're watching the nightly news and you're seeing skyrocketing number of patients being admitted to hospitals and, and ICU beds. And of course, we all know anybody who works in healthcare that there's a finite number of uh, hospital beds available. There's a finite number of ventilators. We, we became very concerned about how this was going to affect the overall healthcare system not just skilled nursing facilities, but hospitals and everything. And as concerned as we were about COVID, we were also concerned about the lack of hospital medical resources for those non-COVID patients that may need dire medical attention, but couldn't get it because beds were all locked up with COVID patients. So we, we, we recognized we could prevent or we could help reduce some unnecessary hospitalizations and prevent bottlenecking in the healthcare system if we were to create a cohesive rehab program inside our skilled nursing facilities that were geared toward the post-COVID patient. In other words, let's, let's keep those patients from being readmitted to hospitals when, when those hospital beds are in such demand right now. Um, a, a recent article that I read uh, was published in December issue of the Journal of the American Medical Association reports that one study found 27% of people hospitalized for COVID were either readmitted or died, unfortunately, within 60 days of discharge from the hospital. And, and many of these common causes for readmission were sepsis, pneumonia, and heart failure. 
And we knew that physical therapy could help um, with preventing maybe a possible pneumonia by getting patients up and moving. We could help with um, conditions that were related to heart failure. So we knew there was a way we could help. And we just wanted to put together a program, implement it, and, and, and make that contribution. So are there certain conditions or impairments that a post-COVID or COVID patient may demonstrate that would let you know there was a need for a therapy program like this? Absolutely. So we all know that with COVID, um, there's going to be a time period when you are in some form of isolation. Um, And so if you're a healthy individual and you have COVID and you're at home and you're just kind of hanging out at your house, it may not be a huge issue. But if you're a resident in a skilled nursing facility who is now confined to one single room or confined to your bed, it can be a greater issue. You know, as healthcare providers, we know that um, total inactivity or bed rest can cause anywhere from one to three percent loss in muscle strength per day. And that's in a healthy individual. So that's a weekly average of about 10 to 20 percent or a three to five week average of 50 percent. So you're thinking in the in three weeks, somebody could lose 50% of their muscle strength. And, you know, so with the greatest weakness occurring in larger postural muscles, this directly affects the ability of most of our vulnerable elderly populations to get up and walk or transfer or have any type of independence with mobility. Um, other conditions that, that are affected with um, uh Immobility associated with COVID can be a loss of bone density. You can lose up to 50% of bone density in 12 weeks of immobility, which is going to contribute to increased fractures. You know, contractures, they can begin developing in as little as five days and can be solid contractures within three weeks. Um, And within just three weeks of immobility, you can have a heart rate increase of four to 15 beats per minute. You can have blood clots, pneumonia, edema, disorientation, pressure ulcers, depression. And these are all issues that are associated with immobility related to COVID diagnosis and issues where physical therapy should be in the plan of care for that individual. Wow, you can certainly see the ramifications. Can you tell me a little bit how the program you guys have developed works? Sure, be glad to, Barry. As best practice, we we screen and evaluate all post-COVID residents to identify any impairments that could be a direct result of COVID or confinement associated with COVID. We we now know that post-COVID patients can continue exhibiting impairments and deficits for months beyond initial recovery. And keep in mind too, that we are still, you know, even though we feel like we've been in this for a long time, we still don't know what could be down the road for us as far as long-term ramifications or conditions that, that may still be present. Um, But after we do a screening and an initial evaluation, we identify the impairments, we establish a thoughtful treatment plan and establish goals for the patient. Then what our program does is we assign a ranking based on the current level of physical functioning for each individual. Now, this could range from a low ranking of one to a higher ranking of five, and this is based on their level of independence. So where a patient with a ranking of one, for instance, may basically be dependent with all physical function and require a total assist, at the opposite spectrum, a five would be someone who may only need supervision or oversight with basic mobility and self-care tasks. 
So once you know a patient's ranking, you're able to develop a treatment plan specifically for that individual. So in the instance of a one who is dependent, that would um, benefit, that patient would benefit from daily stretching, passive range of motion, edge of bed transfers, and, and maybe some positioning to, to kind of clear the lung fields a little bit and increase respiration for them. For the next level, I'll say a two, the treatment plan may be a bit more challenging to include active range of motion exercises from the patient, actual out of bed activities, sitting balance, transfer training, weight varying activities. And you continuously make more challenging programs based on the level of functioning for that particular patient. But what I do wanna stress is that each single level focuses on um, consistent uh, and early intervention. And every single one of them is, is the core part of each one is mobility, because we know that the, the, the biggest thing we've got to do is get these patients mobile. We've got to get them up. We've got to get them moving. I know a lot of times that can be challenging when you are in a skilled nursing facility and you may have some very dependent patients. And so for those, what we do is we get, we make sure we get to the edge of bed. Everybody has to be up and to the edge of the bed at least daily. We've got to clear those lungs. We've got to get the body in the proper position so that our normal faculties are working as they're supposed to. Um, and then, like I said, it just kind of progresses based on the level. And you have to keep in mind too that, that these are not, um, you know, there's going to be some overlap. You may have somebody that's not a truly in a one or truly in a two. They're somewhere in between. And so you're going to be modifying your treatment plans a little bit. But this is a general protocol that we follow. What have been some of the challenges that you folks have encountered with the COVID patient in the program? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think this has been a really challenging period for all of us. And we've... Um, all learned a lot going through this, but like most healthcare providers across the country, we've had to modify and adapt the way that we provide therapy services in response to the pandemic. You know, we're accustomed in the therapy world to having a, a, you know, a nice little gym where we have our new step and our treadmill and our tilt table and our parallel bars, and we bring our patients down and, you know, we can all interact. So, and for a lot of patients, the biggest component of everything is the socialization. And so now that patients are combined to individual rooms, we don't have access to this equipment. We've had to modify the way that we have provided therapy services in a skilled nursing facility. Um, you know, we've had to work on maintaining social distance. We're reducing cross-contamination um, between pieces of equipment, We're having to use more disposable equipment. Um, you know, a lot of facilities have separated the COVID patients on specific wings um, and, and not taking them off of that area. So we, we in this time, we, we borrowed a lot of lessons actually from our home health counterparts and, and, and are learning to use the simple things of therapy, such as TheraBand and hand weights and balls, things that can easily be cleaned, taken into a room, brought out, sanitized and, and reused. So has reimbursement been impacted by this change in care delivery? Well, you know, 
facilities had halted admissions. So I know there's a, a large financial impact on the facilities overall, but in regard directly to therapy, it's kind of hard at the moment to say the, the dollar amount effect that it would have. Um, one reason being is that in October 2019, there was the dramatic overhaul for the way skilled nursing facilities were reimbursed by the federal government. We went from a rug classification of reimbursement to the new patient-driven payment model. So that went into effect in October, and then you began dealing with COVID in you know, March, April. So if there is a change in reimbursement, I think it's a little early to say, is it directly caused by this, or is it caused by this, or is it caused by a combination of the two? But what I will say is that in the new payment model, there was a benefit that allowed for um, the provision of group and concurrent therapy services, which we were not able to then utilize in early spring because of COVID. So one of the benefits of the new payment model was actually taken away by COVID. So you just kind of have to put those pieces together and, and, and try to see exactly what, what may be the cause and effect of each one. What about extra cost because of COVID? Yeah, so the overall provision of therapy services would be increased with COVID. Um, the main thing with that, of course, is gonna be, uh, you're gonna have the expenses of PPE. And I mean, I think that's hit each facility relatively hard, you know, and it's not that we were not all good at um, infection control before, but now it's just, you know, we're disposing of so much um, gowns and masks and gloves and things like that. Um, you're also, uh, I, I think most places would say they have probably seen an increase in some labor cost because your therapists are not able to be as efficient as previous because a lot of time is spent donning and doffing uh, the, the PPE going into rooms um, and you're not able to see those patients in a group type setting. You're, you're, you're going down to each individual room. So you've got the, you know, time that's unbillable time spent going to a patient's room, going in, maybe the patient's not ready for therapy. Maybe uh, there's another discipline that's in there currently working. So you've got a lot of lost time in there. So that would be a cost that would be affected. Chris, you mentioned earlier that you had borrowed some concepts from home health. Are there other lessons that you've learned from COVID? Yes, uh, I think we've, we've all learned so much from COVID, but a couple of things that stand out most to me are um, the, the proliferation of telehealth. And, you know, telehealth has been around for a while, but I don't believe that physical therapy was that involved in providing that service. This was pretty much um, provided by uh, primary care physicians. And, you know, when CMS decided they would begin reimbursing physical therapy for this service during the pandemic, a lot of, a lot of places were kind of caught off guard. We didn't exactly know what to do with it. And this was more in the outpatient world. So not knowing the future of telehealth, I think it was best that physical therapy and other disciplines be more prepared in the future to 
incorporate this into the provision of their services. Um, another important thing is, I think we've all learned to better coordinate um, between staff and disciplines to address the needs of each patient. Um, I think we may see more in the future that we're going to actually be scheduling out appointments for patients in skilled nursing facilities, which we don't really do now, but we're seeing how important that could be to increase efficiency. And then just overall access to physical therapy services, direct access to the physical therapist who can um, kind of prevent some bottlenecking in the, in the healthcare system as well and get patients seen quicker and, and the services that they need. Chris, if any of our listeners have questions about your COVID rehab program or some of the other programs I know you guys have developed, how do they get in touch with you? They can email me at C, as in Chris, Hannibal, H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L, at phrehab.com. Or call my direct line at 601-942-7969. Thank you. I know there are probably questions out there, and I hope you've got answers. I'd be glad to help anybody I can. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing this valuable information. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Decision Point, Age into New Norms, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. Decision Point is produced by Horn LLP. Stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. To learn more about Horn, visit hornllp.com.